listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Victory Tribe is in the house. Take a minute to share it. We're on day two uh, of this week's series, which is Angels, Demons, and the Supernatural Realm. Uh, If you missed yesterday, we covered 11 important facts about demons, little demonology yesterday. Uh, Today, we're covering nine things that angels do. Nine, basically, I wouldn't call them, uh, yeah, I mean, the the jobs or the purposes uh, of angels. So that's what we're going to be covering today. And more specifically, I want to deal with things that angels do for you personally. Yes, Jen, we're on IGTV. Uh, If you go to my Instagram account, you can uh, click right there, the, the, the little IGTV logo button. You'll see we have IGTV videos up. Um, today we're going to be covering uh, not just the purpose of angels in general, but what do angels do for you? What are they doing right now? What are angels doing right now? What did God create them to do? How do they function? You know what's an interesting thing as I've, I've been studying is um, in some ways angels functions have changed uh, a little bit from old to new Testament. And I'll cover that today with you guys. Also, I want to say this, we had so many questions yesterday, so many questions, uh, that we kind of decided that along with a little bit of teaching, pretty much all of Friday is going to be a question and answer session because there's just so many questions. I don't know that I can get to all of them during a live. So what we did is this, we created a page for you guys to just go. And if you have questions, um, please send them to us. We're going to print them out. I'm going to go through as many as I possibly can on Friday. So go to miracleword.com forward slash question, and you can submit your questions. By the way, for those of you that have been sending me questions on Superphone uh, for the text messages, I'm getting them. I've been texting them. We're going to write those and print them out as well. Some of you I've already answered some questions that weren't necessarily uh, directly involved with the series, but you can text them. You can put them on miracleword.com forward slash question, which is what we would prefer because we have them all in one place. Uh, And then we can Friday answer as many of them as possible. So um, not to say don't don't ask questions as I'm teaching because it's what what it's pertaining to. If I see it today as I'm teaching on angels, um, you know, we'll get to it as quickly as possible. But When you think of it, send it as well, especially if I don't answer your question directly or immediately. We're going to jump in. Um, We're going to give you nine. And again, those of you that are watching, take a minute to share the broadcast. If you're listening on the podcast, share the podcast link on your social media. Let people know you're listening. Helps us spread the word and get the uh, word of God to more people who need it. And um, this is going to be a great day. You're right, Brandon. This is going to be a great day today. Uh, Nine things that angels are doing and that angels do. Um, And I'm excited to to get into like what they're doing for us personally, but I want to cover this. I saw some things that are really interesting. Um, And by the way, if you're on, take notes, put it in the comments. Um, We'll have people that'll literally log on at the end of the, of the broadcast 
and they'll say, what are the nine things? <laughs> so it helps me if you guys, uh, as you're numbering them like you did yesterday and like you always do if we're dealing with these lists, uh, you number them and put the, put the point that we're dealing with. And also if you can put some of the scriptures we're reading uh, as well, it helps those that log on late. These are the same people that come to church late. Church starts at 10, they roll in at 1130 to catch the benediction. Um, no, we understand some people are working. Uh, some people can't get on right now, but, uh, it helps them as they're going back through the comments. So, um, pop these into the comments and it'll help those that are watching and listening later. All right. Number one, we're going to jump right in because there's a lot of content. Look at Jen. She said, lists are the best type A personality. I agree. I like lists. I'm a fan of lists. <laughs> if you can't tell by going back through my previous podcast titles. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we're going to deal with these nine things angels are doing right now and have done. Number one, and I found this one very interesting. Angels assist in establishing God's systems. So that's the first thing I want you to put in the comments. Number one, angels assist in establishing God's systems. This has been true from the beginning of time, by the way, which I'll show you in the scripture. So that's number one, angels assist in establishing God's systems. I found this interesting because number one, angels were present and praising God and worshiping at the time of creation. That's found in Job chapter 38. Let me read you verses four through seven. In fact, uh, the Lord is asking this question to Job uh, kind of rhetorically to show his limitations, to show Job's limitations. Listen to this. He said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? This is Job 38, four through seven. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Now look at verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And this, by the way, was angels. Because as the world was being created, the foundations were being laid. Obviously, human beings had not been created. And this term, the sons of God, uh, is the same reference uh, to angels like you see in Genesis 6 that we covered yesterday. Um, This is angels. So angels were present uh, at the time of God's creation. And they were worshiping him and praising him. And then next, as you come down through, even during the giving of the law of Moses, I thought this was an interesting thought. That in Acts chapter 7, verse 53, the Bible tells us that, and listen, listen to this. <clears throat> this is during Stephen's uh, final message that he preached before he was stoned, the stoning of Stephen in the New Testament. Um, listen to what he said in verse 50. I'll read Acts 7, 51 through 53. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, and so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law 
as delivered by angels and did not keep it. And so the Bible tells us here that the law was delivered by angels. So God's establishing his systems in the earth. They were present at creation. The law of Moses was given by angels. Then of course, as you know, anybody that's read uh, the Christmas story, you know that angels announced the birth of Jesus Christ. Angels announced the birth of Jesus Christ. That's another system. The Redeemer was coming. And of course, an angel showed up to Mary, an angel showed up to Joseph. And then of course, in Luke chapter two, and I'll turn there, Luke chapter two, verses 10 and 11. Listen to this. The Bible says, and the, this is to the shepherds. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I will, br- I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. So not just Joseph, not just Mary, but the shepherds, uh, were told by angels that Christ the Lord was being born. So angels announced the beginning of the redemption story. That's God's system. So at creation, at the law of Moses, angels announced the coming of Christ in his birth, the beginning of redemption. Then let me go further than that. Uh, angels were there during his resurrection. Do you remember that? After Jesus was crucified and was raised from the dead, they show up at the tomb and they see a man there and looking at, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. (laughs) He's risen. Hallelujah. Angels were there to announce his resurrection. Then remember this, he ascended into heaven after 40 days of being on the earth with his disciples after his resurrection. On the 40th day, he is blessing his disciples in Bethany. And then he begins to ascend into heaven and the disciples all stand there watching him go up into the clouds and they just stand there looking up. And what happened? An angel showed up and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into heaven for this same Jesus that you saw go is coming back again in like manner. So angels didn't just announce his birth. Angels didn't just tell about his resurrection. Angels didn't just tell about his uh, ascension, prophesying again his return. But then look at this, when he does return. Now here's what we're still waiting on. Angels, of course, will announce the return of Christ. There will be an angel who blows a trumpet and there will be the cry or the shout of the archangel as Christ returns. That's in first Thessalonians chapter four and verse 16, the trumpet will sound. Christ will descend from heaven with a commanding shout and the cry of the archangel. And so angels will actually announce the rapture of the church, God's system. And then go on further than that. What will happen after the rapture, the tribulation? What will they do then? What will angels do then? Angels will assist in instituting the punishments of God or the wrath of God on the earth during the tribulation. You can see that in Revelation chapter eight, verses six and seven. Actually, let me turn there. 
We're talking about number one, the fact that angels assist in carrying out God's systems. Listen to Revelation 8, verses 6 and 7. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and these were thrown upon the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. So you start to read down through the trumpets, judgments in Revelation. Angels are blowing the trumpets. They're assisting God in pouring out his wrath upon the earth. Doesn't stop there. In Revelation 20, the Bible says that an angel will bind Satan. Think about that. An angel will bind up Satan and he'll be bound up for a thousand years. An angel will do that, the Bible says. That's found in Revelation chapter 20. Let me read you verses one through three. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Isn't it amazing to you that Jesus didn't have to do that? That God didn't have to do that? He just sent an angel. That shows you how powerful angels are, that even Satan himself doesn't have the ability to overpower the angels of God. That an angel came down and chained him and threw him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. That's what's going to take place. And angels are assisting in bringing about the millennium. Let me go further. The final thing I'll tell you is angels, uh, according to scripture, will be those who are caring for and measuring the new Jerusalem. Listen to Revelation 21, 15. The Bible says, and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls, talking about the new Jerusalem. And so according to Revelation 21, 15, angels will be there to measure out the city and to care for the new Jerusalem. Caretakers. They are carrying out God's systems on the earth throughout history and in the future. So from creation to the law of Moses, to the ushering in of redemption, to the uh, resurrection, to the ascension, to the uh, rapture of the church, to the second coming, to the binding of Satan, to the millennium, all the way to the end, what we call the dateless future or the eternal future, angels are assisting God in establishing his systems And so they're working on behalf of God. So that's number one. The first thing angels are doing, that was 1 Thessalonians, Zariah 4, 16. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. So angels, number one, we can see, are carrying out or assisting God in establishing his systems. And it's very powerful because you can see it all throughout the Bible from the very beginning all the way to the very end. They're establishing God's plans, establishing his systems in the earth. And then we'll go to number two. The second thing, we've touched on it a little bit, but it's not just in the tribulation. Number two, angels carry out God's judgment. I want you to put that in, uh, in the comments. Number two, angels carry out God's judgment. Now, 
what I covered in point one was just what they were doing during the tribulation. But this is not just during the tribulation. This is Old Testament and New Testament. Did you know that God carried out judgment through angels even in the New Testament? Even in the New Testament. Let me show you this. Um, Of course, we know that God sent angels throughout the whole Old Testament and destroyed his enemies and uh, carried out punishments on those that were uh, coming against Israel, things like that. But did you know that even the New Testament, the Bible says that angels are carrying out judgment on behalf of God. Look at the book of Acts chapter 12. And let me read you this. Acts chapter 12, I'll start with verse 20. Acts chapter 12 and verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace. That would be a cool name for your son, Blastus. What's up, Blastus? It sounds sounds very tough. Because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. And look at verse 23. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and he breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. You see that? So he took God's glory, the Bible says. Herod Agrippa took God's glory when people attributed the fact that he was a God. He took that for himself instead of directing the glory to God. And the Bible says God sent an angel. It's very plain. God sent an angel to strike him down and carried out judgment upon Herod Agrippa for taking God's glory. The Bible says he'll share his glory with no man. God will not share his glory with any man. He's a jealous God, the Bible says. Herod tried to take his glory and an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten from the inside out by worms. And so angels, one of the things they do is they can carry out God's judgment in the earth, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. We see it very plainly. This is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. This is after the day of Pentecost. This is full New Testament story. And it was an angel of the Lord. I find it very interesting. Let me make a point here, by the way. This is an angel of the Lord. This is not a demon. This is not a fallen angel. This is not the devil. The Bible does not say that God removed his hand of protection and a devil came or a demon came and destroyed King Herod. It doesn't say that. It says that an angel of the Lord struck him down. And it was holy and righteous when he did, because it was a wicked thing that Herod was doing. And the angel, of course, it was God who sent the angel, but the angel was carrying out a righteous action. It was a good thing. This is what blows people's minds in New Testament context. This is what blows many Pentecostal and charismatic minds, is that when God punishes sin, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. He's a holy and a righteous and a just God. And when God punishes sin, it's a good thing. 
It's a good thing. Old or New Testament. When he struck down Ananias and Sapphira for lying to the Holy Spirit, it's a good thing. When Agrippa was eaten up by worms from the inside out and struck down by an angel of the Lord, it was a good thing. When God drowned Pharaoh and his entire army in the Red Sea, it was a good thing. When God judges wickedness, it's good because he's holy, he's righteous, he is just. And so this was an angel of the Lord that destroyed and struck down King Herod. Angels can carry out God's judgment. You know, God's so powerful. He doesn't have to get off of his throne to do it. He's got angels that are so strong and so forceful and so powerful. They can carry out his plans in the earth without him ever having to do anything except give them an instruction. Amen. Most people don't. You're right, Norman. So number two, uh, angels can carry out God's judgment in the earth, Old Testament and New Testament, both. It didn't change because we came into the New Testament. Angels can still carry out God's judgment, and they did in the New Testament as well. Number three, angels are assigned to worship God. They're assigned to worship God. And do you know there are angels that literally their only job, their only purpose is to worship and praise the Most High God. It's their only purpose. They don't ever, ever leave the throne room, ever. I want you to see this with me. Revelation chapter five. There are certain angels that that's the only thing they do. Because think about it this way. God is so holy, he's so powerful, he's so righteous, he's so worthy that there can never be a time ever that God is not receiving praise and worship. There can never be a time. He pulls it to himself. He's so great, he's so holy, he's so righteous that he will, think about this, He's so holy, righteous, and great, he will literally pull praise and worship out of inanimate objects. The Bible says that. That if these would not praise me, then the rocks would cry out. And the trees would wave their hands. What does that mean? That God's so powerful, so holy, so just, so righteous, that if people won't praise him, and of course angels are, always are praising him, but the rocks would cry out. Inanimate objects would cry out to praise the most high gods. How great he is. It's his creation and his creation. Not only does all of creation hear his voice, but all of creation has to praise and worship him. And so look at this. In Revelation chapter five, John writes, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And so what are they doing? They're literally flying around the throne or standing around the throne and they're just worshiping and praising. (laughs) 
Wanda says, why does God need all that praise? It's not that he needs it. It's that he's so great that it takes place. It's like saying this, like, it's like somebody, uh, if it, what if you walked out and saw somebody bought a new, a new car and nobody even said anything about the car. It's just sitting in a parking lot. Let's say it's a new Ferrari or a new Lamborghini and you get people that are like walking by that Lamborghini and they keep looking at it. And there's people that keep going by, people keep pulling their phones out and taking pictures to, to send it to their friends. You could say the same thing. Why does that car need all that praise? Well, the car's not asking anybody to praise it in that way. It's just such an amazing car. People stop automatically and start to photograph it. People stop automatically and begin to look at it, point out, did you see that Lamborghini? Look at that Lamborghini. That thing is awesome. People walk by, look at that car. That thing is amazing. God is so great. How could you see him and not praise him? How could you know him and not worship him? It's not that he's, it's not that he's like, I need your prayer. He's, he's not going to, it's not that he's like, well, if he doesn't get your praise, he begins to shrivel and become weak. He doesn't need it. It's just that his greatness commands it. Anything that's great commands attention. Anything that's great commands praise, worship, adoration, and acknowledgement. He deserves it all. He's that powerful. He's that great. He's that wonderful. And angels literally are praising him nonstop, worshiping him nonstop. Amen. It's a powerful thought. That's number three. So number one, angels assist in establishing God's systems. Number two, angels can carry out God's judgments. Number three, angels are worshiping the most high God. Number four, and I find this an interesting one. Number four, angels can assist God in answering the prayers of God's people. Think about that. Angels are sent by God sometimes to answer our prayers, Old Testament and New Testament. It's not just Old Testament. It's old and new. God can send angels to answer our prayers. I'm give you those, those two things. First one's found, obviously, you can remember this story in the book of Daniel and Daniel chapter 10 is where we'll go. Daniel 10, listen to this. I'll start with Daniel 10, 10. And behold, a hand touched me and sent me trembling on my knees and hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I've been sent to you. Obviously this is the angel. I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not Daniel for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. Hmm. Verse 14, and came to make you understand what's to happen to your people in the latter days for the vision is for days yet to come. Hmm. And so I want, I want to make a couple of points here. Number one, here's an old Testament passage where an angel is sent by God 
to answer Daniel's fasting and prayer. An angel is sent by God to answer Daniel's fasting and prayer. I wanted to say this because uh, I'm not really dealing with this today, but it's, it's just a good uh, observation here in this passage. Angels can be sent because of our words. That's what, what happened with Daniel. He said, the moment your words were heard, I was sent. Let me read that to you again. It's uh, Daniel 10, 12. Look what he said. He said, um, you humbled yourself before God. Your words have been heard and I come, I have come because of your words. I have come because of your words. I have come because of your words. So your prayers can literally cause God to loose angels. Your prayers can cause God to loose angels. I want you to write it in the comments. My prayers can loose angels. That's what happened for Daniel. He said, I came as a result of your words. My prayers can loose angels. My prayers can loose angels. It's a powerful thought, but it's not just in the old Testament, but let's go to Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, we see the same thing happening yet again. Angels answering the prayers of the righteous. Look at this now. We're in Acts 12. Let's read verses 5 through 10. Powerful thought, man. That your prayers can loose angels. Acts 12, 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So here it is again. The church, New Testament church, is praying for Peter who's in prison. And as they're praying for Peter who's in prison, look what happened. Verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Verse seven, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so and said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10, when they passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city and it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. Look at that. So the church prays, Peter's in prison, persecution. The church prays and as a result of the church's prayers, an angel is sent to answer the prayers of the church and an angel delivers Peter from his cell, opens every door. I mean, it's supernatural opens every door. And I thought this was funny because when the Bible, if you go further, the Bible says, uh, Verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. 
And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, and many were gathered together praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's probably his angel. (laughs) It's like the church is praying, but they don't even have faith that their prayer is answered. No, he's here. We prayed to get prayer. No, no, it's probably Peter's angel. No, it's Peter. It's Peter. (laughs) Prayers answered by angels that are sent by God. So angels can do that. They can be uh, those that assist God in carrying out answers to prayers, answers to prayers. Sometimes we don't even know, you know, it's amazing. I'll tell the story. I don't know if they're watching or not, but our friends in Albemarle that were in a terrible car accident and they gave their testimony. I was there, the Boysworth family, And they were in a terrible car accident, literally should have been dead, should have been dead. And um, the way that the story was told, the people were on the scene. And when the paramedics came and the police were taking the, um, the report, it was interesting because um, they had, they were able to account for every person there, the witnesses, those that saw the crash. Uh, Of course, Beth was there. Um, but, and her husband, but the thing was, there was one person that seemed to be missing from the report. They said, and they said, somebody pulled us out of our vehicle and set us on the side of the road and nobody else could account for that person. Nobody else could account for that person. And they're like, well, who, who was it? We never saw him come. We never saw him go, but somebody pulled him, pulled them, uh, from their car after that horrible car wreck. And they don't have any idea who it was. Nobody saw him come. Nobody saw him go, but somebody definitely pulled them out of that vehicle. And the Bible says that there are times that we entertain angels unaware. We're unaware of the fact that the one who we're talking to, the one that we're helping is actually an angel. You know, there were times in the Bible where it was like a disguised appearance. You know what the one one time they thought it was a gardener. But you understand you can entertain angels unaware. Who knows if the church and the prayers that have gone over their family, the prayers of protection for their family, God sent an angel to pull them out of that car. And there's times like that, you know, I have no doubt that what I know that happened to me when I was in college could not have been angelic assistance. Could not, literally could not have been anything other than angelic assistance. Because on the busiest on the busiest road in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 71st street, where all the restaurants are, where the mall is, everything's on 71st street. I'm driving down the busiest street in Tulsa in the middle of the night. It's not in the middle of the night. It's like, a, you know, 1045, maybe 1030. And I'm driving down, fall dead asleep. You've heard me tell the story. I go to, through two lanes of oncoming traffic. You know, I'm asleep, don't have a seatbelt on, I'm sleeping in my car. I don't know how there's any other way to explain what happened other than possibly an angel took control of the vehicle because my car weaved its way through two lanes of oncoming traffic without touching another vehicle. 
went through a restaurant parking lot, didn't hit one parked car, didn't hit one pedestrian, literally ended up in the middle of an empty warehouse parking lot without any, and this is amazing, without any body damage on that vehicle. There was no body damage. Nothing on the, on the front. The tires were, because I went over parking those parking strips, so the tires were crushed, but the, there was no, no front end damage, no back end damage, no side damage, no shattered windows, nothing. Didn't even hit a telephone pole. Not a thing. And the only way to explain something like that is that someone else had control of that vehicle, because it wasn't me. I was dead asleep with no seat belt on. And so there's times where God, and my father had prayed for me earlier that day. That's the other side of the story that you may not know. He had a vision. He had a vision that I was in a car accident. Now that was in the early afternoon of that same day. He was all the way a thousand miles away in West Virginia in his room, had a vision that I was in a car accident, began to pray for me, pray for me, pray for me till he felt the release in his spirit. Peace come that night. I did crash the car, of course, as I just told you, but I believe obviously it was his prayers that had to have caused God to loose an angel that spared my life on that day, took control of the vehicle, no head on collisions, no parked car damage, no nothing. And literally not a scratch on my body, not a scratch, not one thing, not one thing. And it had to have been angelic assistance, had to have been. And so we can see these things that angels will answer the prayers of God's people. God will send them to answer the prayers. It's a powerful thought. You see it with Daniel. You see it in the New Testament. God will send an angel, hallelujah, to answer your prayers. And sometimes, which is something I want to show you here shortly, sometimes as, as in my case, the answer to those prayers will save your life. Supernatural. The answer to those prayers will save your life. Number five, the fifth thing that angels can and will do is they will deliver messages from God. They will deliver messages to people from God. This happened in the Old Testament. It happened in the New Testament. I will make a comment about this uh, after I'm done reading these passages because this is a little, in my opinion, as you can see in scripture, the precedent for this has changed a little bit. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But number five, angels deliver messages to people from the Lord. Happens in the old, happens in the new. Let me give you an example in the uh, Old Testament. Uh, the angel of the Lord comes, gives a message. Let's say before Jesus was even born, right? So they're still living in Old Testament times. Uh, What about an angel that appeared to Joseph? He was ready to put Mary away, found out Mary was pregnant. He had never been with her and he's ready literally to dismiss her from his life and to put her away. And Joseph is visited by an angel who gives him a message about what's going on with Mary, about what's going on with Jesus, who is to come, about what God is doing, and change the whole situation. It was a message 
from the Lord to Joseph. And obviously, those things happened throughout the whole Old Testament. Angels would come and give messages from the Lord to the people of God. But you know what's interesting is that even in the New Testament, we can see these things happening. Even in the New Testament. Um, I'll give you an example. After the day of Pentecost, the gospel had come to the Jews, but now the gospel was also going to come to the Gentiles. Wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles as well. So what happened? Well, let's go over to Acts chapter 10. Uh, The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that an angel appeared to Cornelius, who was not yet a Christian, and told him, gave him a message about who to call for so that they could receive the gospel. Look at this. Acts chapter 10, we'll start with verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who's called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and sent them to to Joppa to get Peter and bring him back. And as you know the story, Peter then has a vision from the Lord about the unclean animals on the sheet, God says, take and eat. And he says, I won't eat what's unclean. And God says, don't call unclean what I've cleansed. It was a message to Peter about delivering the gospel to the Gentiles who were considered unclean. And he understood it, went to the Italian's house and preached the gospel to the whole household. They were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost at the same time. While he was preaching, the whole house was baptized and they were filled with the Holy Spirit And uh, the Jews even recognize they've got what we've got. So number five, you understand that angels can deliver messages from God. Angels can deliver messages from God. And what I wanted to say at the end of this number five is it's almost as though you can see that uh, in the New Testament, we don't depend on angels for messages from the Lord like they did in the old. You understand? We don't depend on angels for wisdom, messages from God, to hear from the Lord. We don't depend on that now because realize we all have the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us and that his purpose as he has come is to lead us and guide us into all truth. And so we don't have to depend on an angel to bring us a message from the Lord because now the Lord himself in the form of the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of our bodies and can speak to us at any time. The Holy Spirit can and will speak to you at any given moment. And so in the New Testament, it's, it's slightly different. You remember in the Old Testament, 
they didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. There were times the Holy Spirit would come upon them like the prophets, the spirit would come upon them. They'd prophesy spirit would come upon the judges. The spirit would come upon the old Testament saints, but he did not dwell within them. And so there was much more of a need for angels to deliver words from the Lord and prophets to deliver a word from the Lord where in the old Testament, they were led by prophets in the new Testament. We're not led by prophets. We can receive a word. There are still prophets. We still receive the prophetic word, but in the new Testament, we're not led by angels. We don't depend on angels for receiving messages from the Lord. And we don't depend on prophets. We're not led by prophets. We're not led by prophets. We're led by the Holy spirit led by the Holy ghost. And so we thank God for the prophetic word. We don't despise prophecy. None of those things. We don't uh, ignore the fact that the prophetic office is still fully functional. All of those things are there and necessary for the body of Christ, but they are not what we are to lean on to receive a word from the Lord. In fact, if you even receive a personal prophecy, it should confirm what you and your spirit already have heard from the Lord. Think about that. Why would God speak to a prophet to give you a word that you've never heard before? that you have that same Holy Spirit living in you and he refuses to tell it to you, but he'll tell it to that prophet to tell you. See, that's, that's the trouble people can run into is that if they're always praying for an angel to appear, an angel to appear, an angel to appear, Lord, send an angel to speak to me, send an angel to speak to me. He doesn't have to send an angel to speak to you. He has got access to your spirit because he lives in you. And if there are people that are always seeking angels for a message, you can get into serious trouble because you know what? The devil will accommodate you. He'll send a familiar spirit and speak to you and deceive you. You don't need to ask God to send angels to speak to you. First of all, we have the written word of God, which according to the apostle Paul, who was inspired by the Holy spirit is all you need to become complete, the Bible says. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. The man and woman of God can be made complete and prepared for every good work. So you've got the written word of God already, and then we have the Holy Spirit living inside of our physical bodies who can speak to us and guide us and lead us. You don't need an angel to give you a word. You don't need an angel to lead you. You don't need an angel to guide you. Now, in the, in the instance of Peter, the angel's delivering him. The angel's delivering him. So I don't care how much you read the scripture while you're in jail. I don't care how much you sit there and, and, and you know, uh, say, Lord, give me a word. Lord, give me a word in my spirit. You need the, the jail doors to be opened. <laughs> You need the guards to be moved out of the way. And God sent an angel to bring deliverance to Peter because of the prayers of the church. But Peter was not praying for an angel and Peter and the church wasn't praying for an angel. The church was praying for Peter. That's just how God chose to deliver Peter. So it's interesting to understand number five, that although angels can deliver messages, that's not what we're looking for. That's not what we're praying for. But if God chooses to do that that way, 
then receive it. But we don't seek out an angel. We're not asking God to send an angel to speak. We don't need him to do that. We have his word. We have his spirit. It's very important that we understand that in the New Testament uh, context. Uh, Number six, angels protect God's people. And I I think this is amazing. We uh, touched on this a little bit, but of course, a scripture that people have been quoting a ton through the last year, Psalm 91, Psalm 91. Angels are created partly to protect God's people. We see it through the old, whole old, whole New Testament. Angels protect God's people. Listen to Psalm 91 and verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion, the serpent, you will trample under foot. And so the psalmist is talking about the protective power of angels. And so through the whole Old Testament, through the whole New Testament, you can see angels supernaturally protecting God's people. Protecting God's people. Part of what they do, you know, there's, there's a teaching. Uh, let me, uh, real quickly, there was a question, um, and this ties into what, you don't have to scroll up because I remember it. It was a long time ago. (laughs) There was a question, but this brings me back to it because if we're talking about protection through angels, you know, there's this thought process of guardian angels. We've heard it our whole lives that there are, you know, we're talking about guardian angels. Raise your hand in the comments if you've heard that term guardian angels or you have a guardian angel. In all uh, honesty, that concept of a guardian angel that's attributed to every believer is really not taught in the Bible. That doctrine is um, really derived from an apocryphal book, the book of Tobit. It's from the book of Tobit. Um, Now the Bible does tell us that angels guard and protect, but there's not really anything in the scripture that tells us that every believer has their own guardian angel. But, Right, of course, Dennis says, as a Reformed Catholic, we used to pray to guardian angels. Yes, and angels are not to be prayed to, nor are they to receive worship. We can see that from Scripture. But that, is, that would be a Catholic belief in that the book of Tobit uh, would be found in the Catholic Bible. But that's a doctrine derived from apocryphal books of the Bible that are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. But we know that angels do protect you. But the reason I bring this up is I believe Stephen asked earlier, why did they think in Acts 12 that it was Peter's angel? Peter's angel. Well, history tells us that the Jewish people did have a belief that angels were assigned to individual people, that you know people had their own angels that were assigned to them. And so... Uh, the reason that they may have thought in their culture that it was Peter's angel would have maybe had to do with the Jewish beliefs about the fact that angels were assigned to people. But in the, uh, in the scripture, we don't have a place that tells us that, uh, all of the, uh, believers on the earth have their own specific guardian angel. Although we know angels guard the people of God. So it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Nancy says, what do you say? about the Catholic Bible. Um, I obviously the Catholic Bible, for those that don't, don't know, 
the, the Catholic Bible contains all of the books of the Protestant Bible, but it also includes the apocryphal books uh, in, in the, inside their Bible. So they have the apocryphal books, the Maccabees, Tobit, uh, Judith, uh, Bell and the Dragon, you know, other apocryphal books of the Bible that are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you do any study on bibliography, if you under, or bibliology, if you did, do any study on the transmission of Scripture, uh, on the canon of Scripture, you'll understand very clearly why the apocryphal books of the Bible are not considered inspired by the Holy Spirit. And of course, they teach, uh, in some cases, heretical things. And some of the things that happen in the Catholic Church that prompted the Protestant Reformation uh, are doctrines that are derived from apocryphal books that are, are heretical. Amanda says, what do you say about the book of Enoch? Heretical. It teaches that God has given the uh, task of forgiveness of sins over to angels. Uh, it teaches the worship of angels, which in our scripture, we can clearly see that angels rejected all worship by men when they appeared to men. If men would bow down before them, begin to worship, they would say, stand up, don't worship me. Uh, but the book of Enoch teaches angel worship. It teaches that angels are in charge of uh, the forgiveness of sins. As I've said, it's a heretical book. It's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. While these books may be interesting to read, we can be caught up a lot of times reading books that are not inspired by the Holy Spirit when people haven't even read all the way through the Bible. It blows my mind because these things become, uh, they become fads in the church and people get all into some, you know, they'll get all into this thing on reading, but they haven't even gone through the whole Bible. Spend time in the Bible. Nancy said, is it a sin to have a Catholic Bible read? Of course not. Of course not. Just like it's not a sin to own a novel or it's not a sin to own a textbook. You know, some of those uh, apocryphal books of the Old Testament, they might be good for historical purpose, maybe even to read as commentary or maybe even to read as, uh, you know, some of them were read in public uh, gatherings in the early church, uh, you know, but they're not supposed to ever govern doctrine. They're not supposed to ever govern, uh, you know, what we believe about Jesus or what we believe about God. Uh, they're not for that. They're not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's not a sin to own one. It's not a sin to read one. It's just I would read the actual inspired scriptures before I got into reading anything outside of the inspired scriptures. Great questions. Um, so angels are sent to protect, but we don't necessarily have anything telling us that there are guardian angels for every single believer. Although we know that uh, we know that God's interested in protecting His children. We know that He's interested in protecting His children. Um, now, here's an interesting thought. There are times that we've seen, of course, Jesus prophesied that there would be persecution of believers. He prophesied that, that there would be persecution. He said, they hated me first. They're going to hate you as well. And so Jesus prophesied it would come to pass. Uh, there are times where we have Plenty of stories. I mean, look at the, go read the Fox's book of martyrs and read about how, read about the apostles, how the apostles were martyred, how the apostles were killed. And you ask yourself, well, why, um, why is it that angels did not come and deliver the apostles, uh, from their, their death or, uh, even the persecution that was given to them? 
because there's also a glory that God gets when people are willing to die for the name of Jesus Christ. And, um, and there are special blessings attributed to people who have given their lives for the gospel's sake or for the name of Jesus Christ. Stephen says the book of Maccabees was good in finding the Ark of the Covenant in the 80s because it had writings about Jeremiah in the same cave as the Ark. I wasn't aware that the Ark of the Covenant has ever been discovered. So you'll have to send me that article, Stephen. I've, 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 not, I've not been aware that there's ever been a discovery of the Ark of the Covenant in modern day. Please send that article over if you have it. Um, so when I say that, the point I'm making out about protection is that uh, we do know that um, apostles died in persecution. We do know that there were other Christians who died all through the, look at the first 300 years of the church before the peace of the church. You know, Christians were being killed left and right, left and right. Um, that's true, AJ, I forgot that. They found it, then it gets destroyed. Indiana Jones couldn't successfully get it out. It melted the faces of all the German troops uh, during World War II. Um, <laughs> That way, by the way, it was the Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you're not familiar. Uh, number seven, and I love this one. Number seven, angels fight. One of my favorite things about angels is that they are part of an army. The Bible calls Jesus the Lord of hosts. He is the commander of heaven's armies. I love that. He's the commander of heaven's armies. Well, angels are heaven's armies. And they are warring angels. They are warring angels. Angels fight. And we have all kinds of examples of angels fighting uh, throughout the Bible. But one of my favorites is found in 2 Kings. You can turn there with me if you'd like to. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. I love this because really the king of Syria wants to destroy God's people. But the reason he can't is because his men tell them, well, they have a prophet and their prophet tells them everything you're planning. And then they're ready for you every single time. So there you see that the prophet can tell what's going to happen by the spirit of God. And then that prepares them for the attack coming from the Syrians. So he said, all right, I got this. If we're going to defeat Israel, then we've got to destroy their prophet first. And so in 2 Kings 6, the king uh, surrounds um, the city uh, of Dothan where Elisha and his servant are staying. And uh, the Bible says in verse 15, this is 2 Kings 6, 15, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So they're surrounded by the Syrian army in Dothan. What shall we do? Verse 16, he said, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
I love it. Verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. And he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. Look at the army of God sitting there just waiting, just waiting, just literally waiting to destroy. One of my other favorite ones too, if you think about it, is if you go back to uh, second Kings, I believe it's second, what is it? Second Kings 19. Yeah. When God rescues Hezekiah and all of Judah with one angel, (laughs) he doesn't need a troop in this instance. There, there's literally 185,000 troops surrounding Judah and, and Hezekiah prays to God and God doesn't have to send a troop. He sends one angel in the night, second Kings 19. Uh, you can read the whole chapter, second Kings 19 and, and one angel comes down and slaughters 185,000 troops fully armed men kills every last one. And the Bible says in the morning when the people of Judah wake up and look out, they just see corpses lying everywhere. Angels are warring spirits. God has anointed them to be, uh, creatures of war. And you can see how powerful they are. Do you ever wonder why I said this the other night while preaching people laughed, but it's true. I don't believe that all these people who are always seeing angels are actually seeing angels. They're like, I saw three angels last, I, you know, brother Shuttlesworth, while you were preaching, I saw two angels. I was like, no, you didn't like, well, what do you mean? I didn't. I said, yeah, your pants are still dry. You didn't pee pee yourself. There's a reason why in the Bible, every single time that an angel appears to a person, the first words are fear not <laughs> because the Bible tells us that angels are uh, scary looking creatures, that people were filled with terror, the Bible says. I saw him, I was filled with terror, filled with fear, fell down to the ground as dead. Why? Because of what angels look like. What angels look like. And so, I don't believe half these people, I saw angels, I saw three, no you didn't. And one angel comes down and destroys a whole army of men, a whole army of men. Angels are warring creatures. They're warring creatures. They'll protect and they will fight. My uh, grandfather used to have a friend who was a, uh, a missionary overseas and he was in a nation where they were hostile towards the gospel. And what, and, and a lot of the men of that city, uh, were really violent, wanted to kill the missionary and his workers because of uh, the fact that they were preaching the gospel in a nation that probably was run by another religion. And so they told the story when they came back, this was their testimony, that one night they were up in their compound in prayer in that nation. And uh, the next day, all these men from the city came up to the compound and wanted to be saved, wanted to convert to Christianity. And it so confused him. He said, well, why do you, why are you coming now? You've been opposed to what we're doing. Why do you want to be saved now? They said, because last night 
we came up here to the compound to kill you. So all these men came up with machetes and whatever else they had, came up to the compound to kill you. And they said, when we got to the front of the compound, there were two massive men dressed in white holding flaming swords. And we realized that your God has more power than our God. And we ran home. And they saw two angels that were guarding the compound that were ready to fight on behalf of the Christians who were inside praying. This was the story he told to my grandfather that happened to him overseas. It didn't just cause them to be protected, but it caused the men that saw it to come back and be saved. And so angels are warring spirits. They'll protect, they will fight on behalf of God's people. Powerful thought. Number eight, number eight. I I found this one really great because you can see it happening. It's nonstop happening. Angels are carrying out God's plans in the earth. They are constantly carrying out God's plans. Let's go to Psalm 103. Angels are constantly carrying out God's plans in the earth. This is Psalm 103, 20 and 21. Listen to this. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Think about that. Huh who do his will. One translation says, who carry out his pleasures. Who carry out his pleasures. Or who do his will. So look at those two verses. You angels who do his word, obeying the voice of his word, who do his will. So they they carry out his word, they carry out his will. One translation, his pleasures. So whatever God takes pleasure in, angels are carrying it out. Whatever God wants to be done is carried out by his angels. His word is being carried out. According to this passage, all those who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. So anything that God commands, his word commands, angels are carrying it out. Think about that. Angels are carrying it out. I found that interesting, and I just, it's just a thought for you. I'm not preaching this dogmatically, just a thought. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 35, I believe it's verse 27, that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Is it possible that God uses angels, since it's part of his pleasure, part of his word, is it possible that God uses angels to bless his children, to bring things into fruition that bring blessing or prosperity into your life? Is that possible? I believe it's possible. I believe it's absolutely possible. They're carrying out his plans. They're carrying out his word. They're carrying out his pleasures his will. And so 
at any given moment, there are angels at work. And I'm going to deal with this final point before I pray, because this to me is the most powerful, the most powerful of the nine, what I'm about to give you. If you haven't shared this, you need to share it. Think about this now. If they're carrying out his plans, his will, his word, much of that word is spoken over you. Much of that word is spoken over you. Yes, Alex, I've heard that. He said, I've heard Kenneth Hagin and Keith Moore teach that angels bring in the harvest. So think about this now. If they're carrying out his word, his will, the voice of his word, much of that word is spoken over you. God is using angels to bring his word to pass in your life. If they're doing his word, if they're doing his will, and the word is given, especially the New Testament, given to the people of God, these things that are taking place, God's using angels to bring his word to pass. He's, bring, he's using angels to carry out his purposes, to carry out his will. But the final thing I want to show you, and this to me is the most powerful. Of course, we know according to Hebrews chapter one, and I, I might as well turn there and read it to you. Hebrews chapter one, it kind of defines a little bit what angels are. Uh, in the context of the New Testament believer. Let me read you Hebrews chapter 1 and uh, verse 13 and 14. To which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not they all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Notice that. Now, if you've inherited salvation, put a hand up in the comments. If you've inherited salvation, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, if you're one of God's chosen people, put a hand up in the comments. Because if your hand is up in the comments, that means that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for your sake. Because you inherited salvation. You're a child of God. You're on your way to heaven. Jesus is your savior. He's your Lord. If that's the case, then angels are ministering spirits that are sent out to serve for your sake. No question about it. And so number nine, angels are sent to strengthen your purpose. Angels are sent to strengthen your purpose and minister to you. No question. No question. Let me show you Matthew chapter four. Angels are sent to strengthen your purpose and minister to you. Matthew 4, and let's read verses 10 and 11. Listen to this. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him, to Jesus. So after 40 days of fasting and prayer, 
after being tempted by the devil in every point, Jesus was tempted. I actually write about this, uh, by the way, in the book that I've released on fasting. If you didn't know, I I released a book at the beginning of the year called A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting. And it's available everywhere. Apple Books, Kindle, Amazon, our website. But um, one of the things I deal with uh, is the three levels of sin, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's very interesting that the devil tempted Jesus in these three areas, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life during his temptation during fasting and prayer. Jesus passed every test, and then Satan had to leave him, and angels came and ministered to Jesus. Go to Luke 22. Luke chapter 22, and look at this. And Jesus is in the garden getting ready for crucifixion. You think about this. This is Luke 22, verses 41 through 43. Jesus is in the garden praying on the Mount of Olives. And uh, let's look at what happens. Verse 39, Luke 22, 39. And Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. Verse 40. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 41, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Hmm. Notice that. And the Bible says, and verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and sweat became like great drops of blood. He's in the midst of knowing that he's about to be crucified. He's about to be tortured and killed and recognizing his purpose, recognizing his calling and understanding my flesh does not want to go through this. However, Lord, if it's your will, let me go through it for your glory. And notice what happens. And an angel comes and strengthens him in his, in that moment of, of weakening of the flesh where his flesh is trying to reject his purpose. An angel comes and strengthens him. An angel comes and strengthens him. Angels are sent to strengthen your purpose. Angels are sent to minister to you. These two passages we see about the life of Jesus Christ after his fasting and prayer, they ministered to him during his time of Uh, coming into his purpose and trying to fight off the flesh, angels are strengthening him. So you understand angels have this purpose for all of us that have inherited salvation. That's you. And that's me there. I don't know what your purpose is. God's called you. You are anointed. You have a very specific and important purpose. Let me say that. Don't ever doubt the fact that you are anointed and that you have a very specific and important purpose, especially before Jesus comes, especially before Jesus comes. It's time for us to understand we're full of purpose, full of anointing, full of power. Don't doubt it. But here's the thing. Know that in the midst of your purpose, not only do you have the word of God, not only do you have the Holy Spirit living within you, who is strengthening you, 
And with that same power, with that same power, that resurrection power, quickening your mortal body, but also angels are able to strengthen you in your purpose. They're able to protect you. They're able to uh, be with you. They're, they're able to, of course, of course as, as they said with Jesus, minister to you. It's amazing. It's amazing. God uses his own resources to strengthen his children, to assist his children, to minister to his children. And so you have the ability to interact. Here's what's so amazing about uh, Christianity, about the religion and the relationship we have with Christ, is that this is totally an interactive relationship with God and the supernatural realm. Isn't that amazing? This is a totally interactive relationship with God and with the supernatural realm. Shandra said it. If there's a constant worship and praise in our home for the Lord, are angels attracted to our home? I don't think it's your praise and worship for God that attract angels. It is your salvation covenant. Remember that. It's your salvation covenant. It is the fact that you are one who has inherited salvation. Right? And so the fact that you have inherited salvation means angels are ministering spirits sent forth to serve on your behalf. Nancy said, can you call an angel for protection since we know that they protect us? No, you ask God for protection. You ask God. We don't pray to angels. We pray to God. God is the one who commands angels. And so we petition him for protection. And then he sends angels. He protects us. Good question. Good question. It's like a father and his children. Very, very true. Very true. And so today I'm going to pray for you because what I'm talking about is the fact we have an interactive relationship with God, with Christ, the Holy Spirit, the supernatural realm. This is a very, very interesting thing. It's like Muslims. Muslims pray because it's their duty to pray. They pray because it's their duty, duty to pray, not expecting Allah to answer their prayers not expecting interaction, not expecting a personal relationship, but with us, it's different. It's different. Because we have an interaction with the supernatural realm. We have God that we can speak to, pray to. He answers our prayers. <clears throat> Christ in us, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit, who is resurrection power on the inside of your body. It's interaction. It's interaction. Zariah asks a, um, an interesting question. Do you know the ranks of the angels in heaven? We have only a few things about this in the Bible. We know that there are archangels, right? We only have two listed. We have Gabriel, we have Michael. So we only really know about those two archangels. We know about some of their purpose, some things that they've done, some things they will do. Some things that most likely it will be Michael that does them. We don't know for sure, but those are the archangels. Then uh, we have mainly a difference between cherubim, cherubs, or seraphim, seraphs. Um, there's only one passage in the whole Bible that refers to seraphim, seraphs. I believe it's Isaiah chapter 6. 
the flaming ones. That's what that means, the flaming ones. And they are listed differently than cherubim, who I believe have, uh, what, four wings? Cherubim have four wings, two cover their body and two fly. Whereas seraphim have six wings, two fly, two cover their face, two cover their body. But there's really not that much difference uh, that we have listed about them. And we don't know the ins and outs necessarily. But I don't even know that you would consider them to be different ranks. We know that there are archangels and then there's angels. And we know that we, we have listed cherubim and seraphim. But that's really all that we know to my knowledge. I mean, of all that I've studied, all that I've seen, seraphim are only listed once. It's during Isaiah's call as a prophet. Great question though, great question. But I want you to understand this, we should be more. I, I don't like to see Christianity made so, if I can make up a word, humanitized. <laughs> it's just making it so natural, making it so uh, uh, common, fleshly. It's a supernatural relationship. We have access to the supernatural realm and people try to act like it's so plain and fleshly and normal and humanitized is the best word I can use. We've coined a new term, you know, and so <clears throat> it's a supernatural religion. It should be treated like a supernatural relationship. We should expect supernatural things to happen. We should expect the supernatural on a regular basis. That's why I'm encouraging you. You should expect the supernatural on a regular basis. You should expect God to move on your behalf supernaturally. You should expect to cast out demons. You should expect to see angels uh, ministering to you, working on your behalf. Doesn't mean you have to see them visibly. Doesn't mean that you have to look and see, I see an angel right there. Doesn't mean any of that. It means knowing that God is assisting you supernaturally as you do the work you're called to do. You're not alone. God's working with you. The Holy Spirit is working with you. Angels are sent to serve and minister to you. You have access to the interaction of the supernatural realm. It's a powerful thing. To answer the question up above, uh, angels do not look like humans. I saw the, the question, angels look like humans, two eyes. No, there's, there's descriptions of angels with many eyes. I mean, it's, it, you know, wings, some six wings, some four wings, they don't look like humans. They're much larger than humans, much stronger than humans. Um, they're not created in the likeness and the image of God, whereas we are. We're created in the likeness and the image of God. Angels are not. Great question. Don't forget, once again, to send your questions uh, into us for this Friday coming on this series that we're doing angels, demons, in the supernatural realm, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash question to send your question. Uh, we want to print them out. I want to answer as many of them as possible on this coming Friday uh, on this broadcast. And so don't forget to send them. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would keep it in front of our eyes in all, at all times that we are supernatural beings with access to the supernatural realm, interaction with the Holy One. And we thank you, Lord, that angels are ministering to us, protecting us. We thank you, Lord, that they are sent out on our behalf, that they're ministering to those that have inherited salvation. Lord, we thank you that you've sent them to answer our prayers. We thank you, Lord, that they're judging wickedness on the earth. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing 
uh, in us and through us. Now anoint us with a fresh fire to accomplish our purpose in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Janine, for sowing a seed. Would you follow Janine's lead today? I mean, encourage you to sow a seed into this ministry. If you've been blessed and if you're believing for this world and this nation to be touched with the gospel of Christ before it's too late, stand with this ministry. Partner with this ministry. Carolyn and I are excited to be able to do all that we're doing, preaching around the world, live, on television, online, on the app, every way that we can find we're preaching the gospel and souls are being saved. You know what gets me excited? On Sundays, well, this last Sunday especially, my phone started blowing up with people being saved. The form comes right through. And I see people are getting saved in all these different countries. It's awesome. People are being saved in nations I've never been to, but because the television broadcast is airing, I'm seeing them come through. And then after they're being saved, they're being discipled through the new discipleship program. So you're sowing into soul winning. You're sowing into a New Testament gospel ministry that's doing the work of Christ at a large scale, doing it around the world. And so I want to say thank you. Would you pray and partner with us today? You can go to miracleword.com and you can fill out uh, a form there and you can sow monthly, a monthly seed, and you can uh, create an account, adjust the amount you'd like to give, the date you'd like to give it. But we want to encourage you. Digital ways, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, uh, Zelle, hashtag donate on Facebook or Twitter. I want to say thanks to everybody that's sewing. Thanks, Chandra. This would be good as a set. Uh, I'm sure we'll put it out as something, whether that's a USB card or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we're going to do. Of course, we'll have a playlist for you as well uh, on YouTube, and uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> Kim said, I sent out a check through snail mail. We look forward to receiving that sometime in the middle of 2022. Um, <laughs> thanks for sewing on PayPal. Thanks for sewing on Cash App. Take a minute to sew. Partner with us. Stand with us. If you're sewing $85 or more this month, we're sending you Dr. Cho's book, Prayer That Brings Revival, one of the most convicting and powerful books on prayer that you can read. Here's a man that prayed and changed his nation and built the largest church in the world, over a million members. This will be a huge encouragement to you and open your eyes to the need for prayer and uh, how to become motivated to pray faithfully, which is needed, very needed. And then of course, if you're sowing $1,000 or more in the month of May, we're including with this book, the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, uh, New Living Translation. And now we've got down to the wire, the Elite Study Collection, which I'm, I'm going to get one for myself, actually, even though I have some of these resources. I just want to look at it. I just want to put it in my room and look at it. No. It's, it's something we're creating called the Elite Study Collection. We'll be able to show you one soon because it's all being prepared. But uh, this is what I consider to be uh, five of the greatest study tools that you can own as a Christian. Three of the very best study Bibles and two books that will teach you um, how to study your Bible in the best way possible to get the most out of it, uh, to go deep into Bible study. This is so important. And so for everybody that's sowing $5,000 or more to stand with this ministry 
uh, in a large way as we're getting ready to touch the world more than ever before in 2021. We've created this for you, the Elite Study Collection and a beautiful custom-made box, uh, all kinds of stuff in there that'll build you up and teach you things you may have never, ever seen before. Liz said, do partners get the monthly gift automatically or still need to claim the offer? We still ask you to do the claim the offer form because even when people are sewing on uh, some of the platforms, it doesn't give us your address. Um, You might be asking about uh, the website, the monthly automatic Um, seed that comes out, we still ask you, correct, to fill out the form. That way we have the list of everybody that's being, uh, that's going to be receiving the book for the month. So um, thank you for doing that, Liz. And thanks to everybody that's sewing and standing with us in partnership. Uh, As you know, our goal, and we've we've gotten closer and closer to it, our goal uh, in this first phase is to have a thousand Victory Tribe members that will stand with this ministry at $85 a month or more. Uh, and so we're, we're getting closer and closer to that. We're believing God, that God's gonna attach faithful partners uh, to this ministry that would sow $85 or more. Many are doing more than that, many are doing that, but do what the Lord leads you to do and you will be blessed. I love you. Now tomorrow, don't forget this, tomorrow we have two broadcasts for you. We're coming back with this series at 10.30 a.m. And then at 2 p.m. Eastern time, Carolyn is going to be on doing her broadcast this Wednesday, which is tomorrow and Friday at 2 p.m. And you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be great. Uh, Every Wednesday and Friday that we're home, uh, Carolyn is doing those broadcasts uh, at 2 p.m. on Wednesday and Friday. So you don't want to miss it. So tomorrow, 1030 a.m., we're continuing this series, Angels, Demons, and the Supernatural Realm and then Carolyn at 2 p.m., and we're dropping brand new kids content tomorrow. Every Wednesday, we have brand new content for Miracle Word Kids. You can get it at miraclewordkids.com. This last week, lying was the topic. There's a free downloadable study guide that goes with the video. You can watch the videos on YouTube, or as we encourage you to do, on our app. Our app holds all of the kids' content that you could possibly get, all of our television content, all of our Miracle Word Radio content, videos and audio from here, podcasts, all kinds of stuff, all in one space, and it's absolutely free. I want to encourage you to download it to your phone or tablet, or phone and tablet. Go to your app store and search Miracle Word, it's absolutely free. You'll get all of this free content in one space. It's the one-stop shop for everything that we do have. I mentioned it, let me me pull it over. Two books that I want you to get. If you haven't gotten these yet, I want you to get these two books. Number one, our brand new book, Common Sense, or not Common Sense, A Complete Guide, I'm thinking of of Brother Hagin's book, A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, which we dropped right before the new year uh, for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I saw somebody on uh, Instagram today that's just started a 21-day fast that's going through the book, and I commend you. Uh, This is the brand new book on fasting, uh, Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, uh, that you can get everywhere. Amazon, Kindle, Apple Books, our website, grab it. Um, And then my wife's book, Lines, 
Confessions that Create Boundaries Your Enemy Cannot Cross. And so these two books are available right now. Grab them, get the ebook, get the paperback, whatever you got to do, these will bless you. We love you very much. Liz, we'll have to look into that. She says that the radio's down right now on the app. We'll have it back up by the afternoon if it is down. Sometimes there's power outages. We've had multiple. Is it up for you? Liz, have you updated to the new app? Because it's working on ours currently. The old app, yeah. Let me, let me, let me put it on mine and see. Is Ted preaching? Please, quickly, get out of your seat and come stand with me. We're going to pray. Look at that. Quick, quick, quick. We want to minister to people, but with your hands raised, come now. Urgency. Come on, come on, come on. We're going to pray real quick. God's going to make the change. Look at that. So it's live. I tell you. The radio's working. So get the new app. Uh, we revamped it. We refreshed it. It's beautiful. Thank you very much. You might have to get the new one if you haven't gotten it because it's brand new. It's beautiful. Grab it. Thank you for so much, Nancy, for saying that. We appreciate you very much and love you. Guys, have a great and a powerful day. I love you. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m. Don't forget to send your questions. We want to get them for Friday. And then join Carolyn tomorrow at 2 p.m. Have a blessed day. I love you. I'll see you later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.